As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by the Athletics Mets beat writer Tim Britton. And Tim, how was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was, it was pretty good, usually uneventful as usual. So I thought, you know, now that we're, we're getting back together the week after Thanksgiving for this, I thought maybe we could rank our favorite Thanksgiving side dishes or favorite Cowboys losses on Thanksgiving Day. You know, I've got some pretty strong opinions about Leon Lett and Ron Dane with the Broncos, so... Uh, whatever, whatever you want to talk about now, you know, not not much in in baseball to discuss. Was it the the Don Maynard play? Was that? Do we not Don Maynard? That, what was that guy's name? The um, the, when Leon Lett had the ball stripped away from him as he was as he was going into the end zone. Did that happen on Thanksgiving? No. So Leon Lett has two amazing plays in in football history, uh, both of which are, are Don Beebe. Uh, was that Don Don Beebe of the Bills caught him in the Super Bowl as he was strutting into okay, the end zone, yeah. but on a Thanksgiving Day game in the snow in Dallas. Leon Lett, who was actually like a very good player, but was remembered for these two instances. The Cowboys blocked a game-winning field goal, and you know uh, the ball is not uh, live on a, a blocked kick. And if it's uh, past the line, I'm of just going to catch. Yeah, so he touched the ball. It allowed the Dolphins to recover. Pete Stoyanovich kicked we- the game-winning field goal after it was already blocked, and uh, the Dolphins won. I feel like we stuck with this bit for a little too bit long. The Mets signed Max Scherzer, Tim. The Mets signed Max Scherzer. So the thing is, the ball wasn't live until he took. Yeah. No. Uh, so yeah, the the Mets signed Max Scherzer, uh, which was unexpected, I would say. Uh, so I I wasn't expecting it. I mean, you know, like a month ago it, or less than that, it was like no one wants to come to the Mets. They can't find a manager. They can't find a GM. They can't find a player. Like right, like everybody's um, fleeing. Syndergaard's gone. They can't sign Stephen Matz. Right, like they're mad at Stephen Matz's agent. Um, and then and now they sign. Now they've signed everybody. Yeah, you know, like on Friday I wrote out my my blueprint for what uh, I would have. I would do if I were running the Mets uh, and with, with pitching it, it just kind of dismissed the idea of signing Scherzer because I, I figured it was going to take three years and 120 million dollars at least for them to get him uh, to New York uh, and I thought you know if you're if you are the Mets uh, you're going to make a significant investment in a pitcher in 
his age 35 and above season, you're going to do it for Jacob deGrom after the 2022 season. Uh, you know, what that underestimated was, A, uh, the Mets' ability, the Mets' capacity to lure Scherzer uh, to New York. You know, I'm not sure how uh, serious his, like, he wanted to be on the West Coast issue was, because uh, I've seen, you know, Chelsea James of the Washington Post uh, said it was it was more or less for 2021. Those were where the teams were best uh, in L.A., San Francisco, right, and, San Diego. And it was kind of a, a and I heard, thing. Yeah, I heard someone suggest also said that because they weren't going to trade him in the division, he wanted to go to the West Coast. Yeah, so uh, um, I, th- I think we, we might have, uh, and by we, I mean like I and maybe some other reporters, I don't want to speak for them, uh, maybe over blew the the idea that he wanted to stay on the west coast uh and then the the second part of it is uh that you know scherzer as a member of the players executive subcommittee and who's very uh, a significant person in the the players association in the union uh it would be hard for him to turn down the most money uh, given that role uh so even if he did want to be uh on the west coast or with a specific team if the mets gave him a, a significant enough raise he would take that uh and then c I've, I've switched between numbers and letters here, uh, is... As, is, as one does, yeah. Uh, is that, uh, you know, we don't know what Steve Cohen's limit is, you know? Uh, we don't know if, if you know, I, I think I was operating under the, you know, I, I did the, the baseball, the Athletics Baseball Show Labor podcast last week, and uh, Lindsay Adler asked me, like, you know, how high, how much do the Mets need to spend? And I, I said, I can see them running a payroll of $250 million uh, in 2022. Uh, and they're now at 270. Uh, they are above that. Right. Uh, and even when I did the the kind of blueprint for them, I was like, oh, they're going to go beyond 250 if they're really trying to build a winning team. Uh, and, you know, for 2023, you know, if DeGrom opts out, like maybe they go to 300 million. Like Steve Cohen can afford that. Obviously, we don't know what the penalties will be for it. The penalties weren't harsh under the, the current system, uh, but teams adhered to them anyway. So, uh, you know, just kind of uh, like Mean Girls, the limit does not exist here. Yeah, um, can we just talk about how much better the team got in the last four days or whatever it was? Just the, I, you know, and it's it's such a, I don't know, it's a funny thing. Like now we're it's not even December yet. We're talking on Tuesday morning, November thirtieth, and they're not done, right? They're not done. There's going to be more moves this off season. It seems like there's there's just some uh, like roster imbalances that are going to need to get worked out, but. Like, even in some hypothetical world where, like, now lockdown starts and it doesn't come out until opening day and there's no more moves, like, this is a this is a pretty good team. And, like, and, and the, the players they added, not just Scherzer, like, Scherzer uh, in, a rota- in a rotation that, that hopefully in- includes Jacob deGrom, um, a healthy Jacob deGrom, uh, pushing, like, Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, Tyler, Tyler and McGill down the depth chart a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's the best one-two punch in baseball if they're healthy, right? That's a, that's a no-doubter. Um, and then, you know, on the offensive side of things, obviously they're not as big deals, but uh, they, they added Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar and Starling Marte all on fairly short deals, which I think is something you suggested they, they should do early in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, just kind of if you're, if you're going to go over the, the luxury tax, like uh, go with high – high dollar amounts for shorter term you know don't spread out the risk over because because that's zagging where the rest of the industry is is zigging in terms of giving you know dj lemayhew six years and 90 million dollars uh and right. bryce harper 13 years and 325 million like uh you know b 
be willing to pay the higher AAV. That's going to get you more players, uh, and it's going to limit your long-term risk. Like we've talked about with the Mets, there's probably no bad one-year deal really for them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that goes back to the Syndergaard mess. Um, but, uh, you know, with a guy like Scherzer, like it's, I would rather have him on the three-year deal he has that they gave him for 43.3 a year than like four years at, uh, you know, 35 or something like that to lower the AAV. Uh, You know, I think the way they've done it is probably better for them long-term financially. And, and, you know, we can, this is all like in the weeds stuff. What I wrote for, for the athletic this morning was like, let's not get too in the weeds on something like this right away. We'll have months, weeks at least to do that during the lockout. Uh, and the roster implications of it, like to just appreciate, like the Mets got Max Scherzer, they got the best pitcher on the free agent market in a way they haven't in who knows how long, uh, and uh, it's really exciting to imagine Scherzer and Degrom at the top of the rotation. The team uh, sometimes like the 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 best way to go about building your team is to locate the best player, the guy that everyone knows is the best player, and sign him, uh, and that's what the Mets mm-hmm. did here. And Scherzer is just, you know, and he's in, he's 37 years old, and it's a huge contract for a starting pitcher, and everybody knows about the the warnings about that. But Scherzer's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he has had, you know, knock wood, uh, very few health issues. Like, it feels like maybe he's not going to give you 210 innings next year, but it feels like you can kind of count on Scherzer for, you know, 170 innings as, an, as a 37-year-old, which is... Something they need desperately, just the innings, but then, you know, with Scherzer, they're elite quality innings, um, and and that's something really special, too. Um, and then, you know, we talked all about, like, okay, like, if, you, if you're if you going into the season with, with Dom Smith and J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil penciled into your lineup, you know, then, then you, you didn't add enough depth. Now, um, bringing in three viable everyday major league players um one in Marte I think is a star I think he's been one of the most underrated players in baseball for a decade basically um and you know Canna and Escobar just both like very steady steadily capable players with some defensive flexibility um it means that those other guys and and you know I don't expect Smith McNeil and Davis to all be on the opening day roster um, I think that's that's one of those imbalances that they're that they're gonna work out but it means that two of those guys most likely are are on your bench any given night um, and that's that's good that means you do have some depth when you're healthy and, and you know when guys hit the injured list like you're bringing in those that type of talent rather than uh, Cameron Mabin off the scrap heap to play center field for you, mm-hmm. or even guys like you know Janeshwi Fargus and Mason Williams. Like the, the we saw how deep the Mets had to go to field uh, an everyday roster in late May and early June last season. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons. Like you know they've they've got guys like Davis Smith and McNeil. I you know we're recording this as it, reports are emerging that the the Tigers uh, and Javi Baez have come to a deal. Uh, so Baez would not be coming back to the Mets, uh, and the 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 other infielders they could sign are are a big, pretty big drop off from that, unless it's Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, McNeil might be part of the everyday lineup. You know, Robinson Cano, uh, who knows what to to read into his role? There might be a DH. So you, I, I'm not. I don't think the Mets need to be in a rush. They, I don't think they need to trade 
any of those guys, McNeil, Smith, or Davis. Right. I think if the right opportunity comes along, if a team values that those players more than you do, which is if a team says, we want Dominic Smith to be our everyday first baseman, we think he can really excel as an everyday first baseman, and we will trade you a package commensurate with, with that feeling, uh, then the Mets should listen. Uh, but I don't think they need to go out and say, okay, we're going to trade Dominic Smith. What's the best we can get? I think there are two different approaches there, and I would take the the first one where, you know, if Dominic Smith, J.D. Davis, and Jeff McNeil are on the opening day roster together, it's not a bad outcome for the Mets because they're probably because I, I think certainly McNeil and Smith you would expect to have better years than they did last year, and Davis had actually a, a nice year when he played and when he was healthy, uh, and, and whether he could do that uh, for a longer period of time is the question. And you mentioned, you know, not the uncertainty. And I think we all expect there will be a designated hitter for the National League come the start of the season, but it's still not set in stone. And so um, that is obviously going to be a, a huge factor in in how they go with, with Smith and Davis both because that, um, you know, I think that you'd, you'd use Smith at first base and, and Alonzo as, as a DH on, a, on plenty of nights. But um, that basically becomes your DH tandem, you know, at least in terms of the players that are inserted the lineup probably. Um, and so that's that's something they're going to think about. I'm not trying to say they, they definitely that's not, I'm not trying to say they should trade these people uh, just to, to clarify. I think that you you listen, right? And and if if the best deals you're getting are on JD Davis, then you make the deal with JD Davis. And if the best, you know, if you're getting the most for um, Jeff McNeil, who's worth a little bit more to them, you know, to the Mets because of his versatility. Um, but again, like if it's um, if it's a, a solid starting pitcher, if it's a it's a bullpen ace, if it's you know, there's 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 so many there's there's other holes on this team, and so. Um, these deals they've made give them the flexibility to patch some of those via trade. Do you think, um, and, and I'm disappointed about Baez going to the Tigers, but you know you can't say, oh, the Mets aren't spending money, right? So um, there's only so disappointed you can be in a team that has signed Max Scherzer. I think they probably uh, could use, like you said, like another bat, I don't think there's a chance they sign Brian, right? There is so like there is this. Are we done with big acquisitions now? You know, I I, I think they're they're. I, I would be surprised if they signed a another big acquisition between now and midnight Wednesday night, which is when uh, a a lockout would get put into place. Uh, I'd be you know that they signed two outfielders in Canna and Marte. Uh, I thought it'd be more interesting if they added an additional if. You know, they've signed two outfielders and an infielder. If they had signed two infielders and an outfielder, like McNeil's versatility, I think, would, would have been more interesting there. I think it's harder uh, in the current setup of the roster for him to not be an infielder full-time. Uh, I don't think there's as much room in the outfield for him. Although, you know, if Cano can come back and play a, a decent second base, which, again, is, is who knows, uh, that could help uh, give them more of that. But, yeah, outside of Bryant, you know, it's kind of you're looking at, you know, Kyle Seeger is probably the next next part down the list uh, in terms of an infielder, unless you you spin a trade with uh, you know a team like Cincinnati for a pitcher and you take on a contract like an Eugenio Suarez or a Mike Mustakis, uh, th- those guys would be on the infield. That's that's kind of the options you're looking at, or Jonathan VR bringing him back. But I think Escobar uh, kind of fills uh, that versatile role uh, as as member even of the everyday lineup. So. I think they've got options in, in how they, they go about it. I think, you know, like like I, I mentioned in the story last week, uh, and we've talked about, like their best offensive chance, like, like what's going to be important for them offensively is that players that are already on the roster 
stay healthier and rebound. Um, and that's, you know, uh, Onimo is there for longer than half the season, uh, that uh, Lindor has a much better season than he had in 2021, that McCann has a better season than he had in 21, that Smith, McNeil, Davis, that they get some contribution, some higher level of contribution out of those guys than they did last year. That's what's going to drive the offense being a lot better, uh, you know, as much as the additions of, of, of Marte, Canna, and Escobar. And, and, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, but they need Jacob DeGrom to be healthy. You know, and I think that, that adding Scherzer means they have a chance to contend without DeGrom. But I think if DeGrom is healthy, then you look at this team right now and you say, okay, that's, that's the favorite in the NL East. Yeah, you know, I, I, we talked about at the end of the season that one thing I underestimated was like the, the psychological impact of not having Jacob DeGrom every fifth day that a bunch of players talked about in late September that there was just kind of a an ease that he gives you the day he's on the you know it's not just the day he's on the mound where you expect to win uh, more than you do on other days because he's the best pitcher in the game but it's also like the night before uh, you know the bullpen can be used differently the night after the bullpen yeah can be used like if you're if you're if you're Miguel Castro and Jacob Degrom is pitching, like you you put your feet up and have a hot dog, right? Because you're not gonna they, you don't need a sixth inning guy when Degrom's pitching. And and one thing that was interesting was one pitcher mentioned uh, that like you can see the way the other team approaches at bats was different the day before and after Degrom start. It's like he's like you know the day before Degrom starts, they're all they're all trying to get their hits then because they know they're not getting them the next day. And then the day after, they're all screwed up from having faced him. So it's like the whole just demoralized. The whole series, just like yeah, you're pitching better because you're coming before or after Jacob DeGrom. I have not looked statistically too deeply into that. I did notice that that Marcus Stroman's ERA was was slightly, I mean it was like a 0.1 or 0.2 runs better when he faced the same team after DeGrom. Uh, he's the guy who did it most last year. But uh, well, I thought- well, and you see also like the day after they're all like walking up like doing the Charlie Brown walk and 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 muttering to themselves because they've just had to face Jacob DeGrom. Right. It, it's just uh, it, it, he's it, he puts you into a slump as a hitter when you have to face him two or three times. So having that guy back for six months, and even if it's not Jacob DeGrom with a, a ERA that starts with zero the way it was for most of the, the first half of the season, if it's merely, you know, Jacob DeGrom with a 2-2 ERA, like heaven forfend, uh, but I, I think the Mets would take that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think that Jacob Degrom. I think that if you you can get 150 innings out of Degrom next year, like is that is that unreasonable to hope for? But I, like I think if that was the deal on the table for me, like if someone said, "Would you sign up for 150 innings from Jacob Degrom?" and ideally, you know, health going into October, 
Like, absolutely sign me up for that. Like, I don't, I don't think you can really, after the season he had this year and all the weird injuries and, and the way they sort of piled up on him, uh, I think it would be unfair to expect much more than that. Yeah, you know, it's it's because it's not just that he threw under 100 innings this year. It's that you know the 2020 season was shorter, so he threw right. only about 67 or so that that year. Uh, so you know, you're not he doesn't have the innings base that uh, he's used to having going into a year. The Mets have said, uh, dating back to the end of the season, that you know they expected not only Degrom to have a regular spring training, but for him to have a regular off season because he was able to build himself back up and get to just about pitching shape by the end of the season uh, and that you know if they were playing for something more meaningful or if the season had gone on just a little bit longer he would have been able to pitch uh, in regular season games so you know their thought is that he is kind of a that he is a full go come next season but I do think you know for for him and for for pitchers in general we saw the way the Mets handled certain pitchers this past year they were a bit more careful with them uh, you know a guy like Stroman who didn't throw uh, 100 plus pitches uh, too often. I think he only did it once or twice. Uh, that they were, you know, a little bit more cautious with him than they would have otherwise been because he was coming off a year where he didn't pitch. Uh, I think we'll see them take that approach with Degrom. They'll probably take that approach with Scherzer as well, uh, considering his age. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw them mix in a sixth, a sixth starter on occasion. Uh, I thought that was something they'd probably do if Syndergaard were part of the rotation. Uh, but you know you're going to be more cautious with all of your starters because of of the unknown of what they're coming off of the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, if if I think if you're you know they talk about becoming Dodgers East, it's something uh, the Dodgers didn't do a ton of in 2021. They got uh, really good help from from Walker Buehler and Julio Urias, but uh, you know we've seen the Dodgers be so cautious with their starting pitchers and and so uh, quick trigger with the 10-day DL and the um, the so-called phantom DL that, that that they like to use and um, I think if you're playing well and you can and you can get yourself a lead in the division and it's not like you know every start is a do or die thing for for guys like Scherzer and DeGrom then like you know, why not you know, give them a ten-day break somewhere, somewhere in there. When, when you know, when some tiny little thing acts up, because there's always tiny little things acts up, and and you know, you have to you have to have that fight with the Grom and Scherzer because they're they're those types of dudes. But um, you know, keeping everybody healthy for the full season, and especially keeping he- everybody healthy for October means you know sometimes you gotta you have to prioritize the the end of the season over over somewhere in June July and. Uh, yeah, I would like to. I would like to see them handle with care. Uh, they're they're two aces now. Yeah, and I think that's where having uh, more starting depth is is necessary for mm-hmm. them. Every team is going to be talking about starting depth from here through eternity. Uh, but you know, when you've got guys like McGill and Peterson who have options, who have done a decent job in the the major leagues when they've been there, but you know, who aren't like locked down guaranteed major league starters yet at this point in their career. Uh, if you can start them as your sixth and seventh starters, we can have Jordan Yamamoto as your eighth. You know, the Mets have an interesting decision Tuesday with Trevor Williams, whether they tender him a contract uh, in arbitration uh, or not, and let him go as a, another guy who could be depth, uh, though he'd probably have to stay in the major leagues because otherwise he can leave. Um, so I, I think, you know, having those guys as your depth starters rather than like we, you know, the guy who's become the punching bag for it in 2021 was Jared Eikhoff. Uh, you know, having those guys come up to make those fill-in starts for you uh, makes it a little easier. That's what the Dodgers have been so good at is, you know, having guys like Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin and, and David Price as their backup starters. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's where the luxury really comes in. 
Yeah, it's. I would not have guessed I would say this as of like early May, but they're really going to miss Joey Lucchese, right? <laughs> like, um, and you look, you know, I I feel like they could, and again, like it's you know they just signed Max Scherzer and three really good, you know, viable everyday major league players. Like, I I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to to take a mile here. But like, I feel like they could use one more starter, right? Is that is that wrong that to think um, they could like even if it's because if if you look at the list of free agents now, uh, John Gray is gone. Like they're flying off the board. So that mid tier, you know, other than Marcus Stroman, who's still out there, um, who I'd love to see back, but it, from from uh, at least from what it sounds like on on his own Twitter account, it it doesn't seem likely um, at this point. Um, but even if it means like a, a rich hill, you know, some someone who is just a um, another arm for that mix, I think would be a big get at this point. Yeah, I kind of looked at the starting pitchers in three tiers. There's like the A, the A tier, which was the long term deals for guys like uh, Gosman, Stroman, uh, Robbie Ray. Uh, the B tier was kind of the those middle guys and, and like John Gray, like you mentioned, Carlos Rodon. Uh, D- Anthony Di Sclafani, Stephen Matz, those guys who came off the board pretty quickly, Eduardo Rodriguez. And then the C tier is kind of like the one or two year deals for guys that could work out for you. So that's, you know, Rich Hill, I think, is a, a really good example of that. Probably only signing a one year deal. You know, Michael Pineda might be a one or two year deal. Danny Duffy from Kansas City, those guys who, like, they could work. You don't know that they're going to work. Uh, Scherzer, by the way, was was in a tier all to himself. He was like tier A, right. A prime, whatever. Well, he was with I think Furlander was in that tier briefly yes. too, but he just came off the board soon. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I, I think you know because they got Scherzer, they don't need to be shopping in uh, tiers A or B. I think they can look more at C uh, and you know try to find kind of this year's version of Taiwan Walker, where it's a shorter term deal. If you know if you want to go after someone who's a little younger uh maybe that is uh duffy i, I actually don't know how old he is dylan bundy uh, i think is under 30 uh and would make sense that in that regard like those types of pitchers where you hope it you know you feel like there's a they're going to give you innings at the very least uh and maybe they hit maybe you hit some upside there yeah i mean you mentioned rodone so carlos rodone has not signed yet correct correct um and and that's a that's an intriguing name to me just because he was so good when he was healthy in 2021. It's it's sort of the opposite, I think, of what they need because what they need is innings, like not not this this upside play that I think Radon is. But um, it just looks like there's still so much upside there, and maybe like some of that is me sort of clinging to prospect hype. But um, no, I mean he he struck out 185 batters in 132 and two thirds innings in in 2021. Like that's that's real, real good. He obviously made some you know, massive change between his early career and last season. Um, so that's that's an intriguing name to me. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we're on the same page that one more guy might be a, a might be a useful thing here. Yeah, I mean, if they if they're willing to pay for it, Rodon, I think Rodon's just going to cost a little bit more than than guys like Hill yeah. and Pineda and Bundy. Uh, I, I'd be but on guess board what? With that, it's but Steve Cohen it's now. Steve, yeah, it's Steve I mean, Cohen now. There's no cost too much money anymore. That's not a thing anymore. We don't talk about that. This isn't a video game where you go in and you've got a set budget where you have to figure out exactly how it all fits under a budget. Uh, so they, they, you know, if they, I'm not sure what Rodon's market would be like. I, I think it's funny because the the pitchers, there's been so much activity in the starting pitching market. The pitchers who haven't signed, 
it's kind of like, well, what's wrong with them? Like, why hasn't Marcus Stroman signed yet? Uh, you know, why hasn't the market heated up for Carlos Rodon? It's it's still November 30th. Uh, you know, it's it's tough for everyone to sign this quickly. Uh, so I think, you know, the, those guys might have some leverage when you come, if, if, they're not, if they don't sign by uh, Wednesday night. Uh, when you come back from the lockout, when teams have kind of figured out what the new rules are and what they want to do, uh, it might be beneficial to be one of the better starting pitchers uh, left out on the market at that point. Well, uh, that brings up our question for the week. Um, and this comes from John Pace, uh, who wants to know, he, he got at me at Twitter to ask, and this is an interesting question. He says, can trades occur during the lockout? We're, we should say we're just all sort of assuming there's a lockout come December 1st. Um, and we don't know how long it'll last, but we, we assume it'll be kind of a while. That's, that's at least what the, the, the feeling in the air for sure. Uh, so John asks, can trades occur during the lockout? I assume not since that would involve players' involvement by having to take physicals. Uh, but do you have any idea? I don't have any idea, Tim. Do you? Uh, so I hadn't. You know, I, 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 my Putting assumption, on my assumption here is that they are not permitted uh, in a formal fashion. Like you're not going to mm-hmm. hear on uh, December fifth, like the Mets have traded uh, X for Y. Um, but I don't know that there's anything preventing teams from working it out so that they can say, when the lockout ends, we'll give you X for Y. Uh, and, and, you know, the lockout ending on February 3rd and on February 4th, there being 15 different trades announced across Major League Baseball. That oh, I was like thinking like I was thinking like 70, right? Like a <laughs> Jerry DePoto field day. Like a, there's just a whole new Mariners team that day. I mean, it's it's interesting to think of what De, a guy like DePoto can get up to when he has like nothing else to do. It's just like toying around with like, can I trade every player on the roster and build an entirely new team? It's almost too bad yeah. that the Mariners are act, are like in a competitive spot that he can't do that, yeah. because, or that it wouldn't be wise to do that. If the Mariners were like coming off a sixty-five and ninety-seven season, be like maybe Jerry Depoto can make twenty-five different trades with his with his twenty-six-man roster. Uh, that's what I, I mean. I'm I'm rooting for a flurry. I think that will be. I I imagine you're rooting against that. I would imagine if I were. If I were writing about baseball on a day-to-day basis, that would be a nightmare. But uh, as someone who's able to watch the wheels spin a little bit, like, man, would that be cool. I, so I'm interested in this, your perspective as, as more of a fan at this point. Uh, like, what do you, th- the way free agency has, has operated really since since Friday uh, with, with kind of a bevy of early <laughs> signings has made people think like, oh, we should have a free agency deadline or it should operate more the way the NBA does with free agency where it's like all done within five days. Um, how would you like that as a fan? As a reporter, I would probably prefer that because it makes the rest of the offseason a lot easier. Um, you can go on vacation. Right. You can worry. But I, I feel like as a fan, you know, I'm a, I'm a very, very casual uh, fan of the NBA. So, like, I don't pay attention to free agency. It's just kind of like by the time the playoffs start next spring, I'll be like, oh, that guy's on that team now. Uh, and to me as a, as yeah. a fan, that's too much in too little a time. I like I want some middle ground between that, but but I don't know what your perspective is. Um, I yeah, I, I haven't I haven't thought it all the way through. I don't hate the idea of a 
deadline. I do think it's like really exciting and it's something, you know, for like, I think that like I'm such a big baseball fan that I'm rooting for baseball. And like, I can see how that is the type of thing that um, might draw offseason attention in a way that baseball tends not to. Um, But it has my offseason attention already. And I kind of like that at, you know, like on a normal offseason that it might be January 14th and like here's this now the team made this huge deal and like or this this you know everybody's waiting for Bryce Harper to sign until spring training starts like uh that was actually that's a bad example that was sort of an unfortunate thing but um yeah I like I like the uncertainty of it to some extent and it does like I have found in recent seasons especially um like with the flurry of trade deadline activity then I am in that spot where, like you watching the NBA, where I'm watching a, a non-Mets baseball game, and you're like, wait, this guy's on this team? Like, I had I had no idea, you know, like, because there are so many deals that, that you miss a bunch. Um, but I don't know. Like, a part of me says, like, if I weren't doing this so regularly, maybe I'd like to just, like, bury my head for the entire offseason and come up on, on the first day of spring training and to see who the Mets have. I'm still trying to figure out what happened between DeAndre Jordan and the Mavericks like eight years ago. Um, it's yeah, it, it's just to me like there's so much that can happen in a short period. You know, like I feel like as a reporter, because the Mets signed Scherzer on Monday, that I haven't given like full attention to the additions they made on Friday, uh, especially the Marte one. Like that, that was, was a very, big one. That's a, yeah. was a very late Friday. Uh, and, and, you know, like I will get to those now, especially because we have a, a prolonged period of probably uh, no activity uh, from a player perspective. The Mets will have uh, will have to hire a manager and a coaching staff and they can do that during the lockout. Uh, but that will be the right. time to like look back, and be like, hey, remember like three weeks ago, the Mets signed Starling Marte. Let's examine that. Uh, and that's yeah. just it's a different approach than, than what what we're certainly used to in this sport. Uh, can, can we examine that very, very briefly just to say, um, first of all, as you mentioned, I think it's great that they're, that they haven't put any time into hiring a manager or coaching staff yet. Like if you can do that during the lockout, then like, by all means, that's a great use of that time. You can really, really take your time interviewing managers once, once the lockout starts, like sign some free agents while, while you can. Um, and also like... I mean, the Marte signing is so overshadowed by Scherzer now. That was one of the best, like, because the Mets had a need in center field, right? Or the outfield in general, um, and and a need for a defensive upgrade. And and like Marte, I think at this point isn't an elite defensive center fielder, but he's a solid defensive center fielder, and that means you can kick Nimmo to a corner. Um, and and I think Nimmo is a, it would be a, a very rangy is going to be a very rangy corner outfielder. And so you know, yeah, it's not having the Gold Glover in center, but I think uh, you know it's it's you're still having you're still covering a lot more ground in the outfield um and that makes me that makes me very excited as well yeah i think the i love Marte. like he's just a player i've always enjoyed playing like it's it's such a you know again he's we're gonna we're talking about max scherzer mostly because he's max scherzer um and and sterling Marte is not a hall of famer but uh Marte's a great player uh and the the best base runner in baseball last season uh by any metric Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the Mets, as we discussed, not very good on the bases. So to have a guy with that, uh, not just the ability to steal bases, but to take the extra base and be more aggressive on the base pass successfully uh, in Marte is going to be fun to watch. And I, I think their outfield defense as a whole, Ken Rosenthal wrote about this uh, late Friday into Saturday, you know, 
Canna is a guy who can play some center field, and I know his, his numbers were down in 2021, but has a, a reasonable track record as an outfield defender. Nimmo, you would think, would be better in left, like his outs above average would improve in a corner if he's playing left versus center. I, I'm not sure if between Canna and Nimmo, if they've got left left field, right field preferences, Nimmo's arm is not the strongest for right field. I actually don't know about Canna's. Marte has a terrific arm uh, in center. Uh, so, uh, you know, you've got that, and you've got three guys there who can play center, and that's uh, that's really nice to have because that was that's one of those spots that's really hard to fill. You know, center field and catcher, uh, center field, catcher, and shortstop, I guess. So the three positions, like, if a guy gets hurt, you can't just throw anyone there. Uh, and we've seen that hurt the Mets in the past. It hurt the Mets in center last year, hurt the Mets at catcher a few years back when, when Plawecki and Darno both got hurt right at the same time. Uh, so having depth at those positions and starter level depth at those positions is really important. Uh, and so the Mets have that now uh, in center with, you know, if Marte goes down, they can put Nimmo there. If Marte and Nimmo go down, they can put Canna there. Uh, if all three go down, you may be able to put Khalil Lee there. Like they can get by in center in a way that they weren't uh, able to last Plummer, year. And Plummer, the guy they just got too. Oh yeah, Nick Plummer, uh, who they signed from the Cardinals. Uh, as a, He was a minor league free agent they gave a major league deal to. Uh, and a guy who, again, younger, has a chance to, to grow into something. Uh, more than he's shown so far. Uh, he was terrific in in the minors last year. Uh, last point before we go: Have you dealt with Marcana at all in 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 your? I know you've been on on beats other than the Oakland A's beat. Uh, what do you What do you know about Marcana? So uh, I I have gotten a couple texts saying that he is a terrific individual, a great guy to talk a to. Gem. Uh, and uh, as I, I told you off offline, uh, I've always kind of I think it's the sideburns and the fact that it's he played the for the A's. I, I when he first came up uh, and and first came to my attention, I really thought he was Australian. He is not Australian. Uh, it's just because he played with Liam Hendricks that makes me think that. I think. No, and and the name Mark Canna. So Mark Mark can I can't do it. I'm not going to do an Australian <laughs> accent. But you can imagine like Steve Irwin saying "Rest in peace," saying Mark Canna. Um, uh, Mark Canna is was became notable for to me. Um, if you look back to his, he had a huge game in his in his big league debut in 2015, and afterwards, when they went to talk to him in his big league debut. He pulls this. He just did the entire set of cliches from Bull Durham that that Kevin Costner teaches Tim Robbins um, in the post game interview, which is just like, I just, I just think that's so cool. Like the, to to have the the chutzpah to do that on on your first day in the major leagues is is so awesome, um, especially with the razor sharp sideburns which you mentioned. Um, and then he's got a he's got a food Instagram going. He loves he's a, he eats well, um, you know, stays healthy. Obviously, a lot of his food is is toward the healthy side, but uh, loves to venture out and eat, and is a is a great. Um, I, you know, since Travis Snyder has been out of the league is I think Mark Hanna has really become like the Leeds league's premier food Instagrammer. And that is something I really appreciate. I haven't dealt with him a ton. I've talked to him a few times, like while covering the A's in spring training, but, uh, I kind of feel like he's got, uh, if, if things go well for Mark Hanna, uh, both the media and the fans are really going to like him. Yeah, it's at Big League Foodie, hitting dingers and crushing food along the way. That's uh, that sounds like your type of guy. He he is. He's like um, he's like the he's like a yeah. I don't. I'm I'm trying to like draw a comp because he's 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 got like the right like sort of new school attitude. Like he's he's gonna 
flip a bat when it's necessary. Uh, he's had some really triumphant bat flips. Um, and uh, But like a, a positive dude, too. Um, just... I don't know. In, it's a very limited experience I have in dealing with him, but I think that uh, I think that that people are going to like that guy. I think people are going to like all these guys. I think it's a these are this is a fun series of science. The Mets have they have Max Scherzer on the team, Tim. Max Scherzer. Yeah, and, and I think you know, Canna Escobar has a, a great reputation as a teammate. Teammates have loved him in Minnesota and Arizona. Uh, Marte, I think I haven't heard like. Uh, I haven't gotten texts about how great a, a person he is, but I've, you know, I, th- I think he has a, a pretty strong reputation as a teammate. Scherzer obviously has that reputation as well. So, you know, as much as the Mets said, like, you know, we love our clubhouse chemistry back in July, uh, I think they're, they are looking to uh, upgrade that, that camaraderie in the room uh, a little bit more this, this offseason. It seems like these signings take them in that direction. Uh, Tim, I want to end there. Um, will we ever talk again because it seems like there's a lockout coming uh yeah we're not allowed to talk uh during a lockout i think i think that's, that's the not rule true. is that is that no. we can't discuss anything uh we have to ju- we can get together but we have to discuss non-baseball topics we can we haven't talked books in a long time that's so true. you know we could just have like a, a couple of books podcasts in december <laughs> well we'd have to come up with a, a better title for the metrospective at that point um yeah i mean we we've we've got time i was i was putting you on the spot to see how quickly you could think of a a book related pun because i could not i i can't i i got yeah uh, the naturals the hamlet the hamletrospective i don't know Uh, (laughs) um that's a play uh but (laughs) sorry um at some point we will be back to talk about the Mets and and probably to talk about the lockout and to talk about you know uh whatever flurry of moves they've still yet to make before this December 1st deadline but until that point Tim peace out adios